Hello everyone. I hope you're having a great day, morning, evening, whenever it is that you are watching it. I'm excited to be talking more about Micah as we are going verse by verse. And if you remember from a few episodes back, that is the purpose of this channel is to go through verse by verse and apply world war, real world issues in biblical context. And so that is the goal for this channel, the goal for this episode, and the goal for the study. And as we've seen, especially in our last episode, and we'll see again in this episode, that even though we're not specifically talking about certain issues, that as we are actually studying scripture, those issues come to light and we get to see how the Bible addresses things like justice and politics and government and all of that fun stuff. So if you have been enjoying this study so far and if you are enjoying it currently, um, give me a thumbs up. I know you hear a lot of YouTubers say that. I'm going to say it. So just give me a thumbs up if you have been enjoying the series. And if you're new and you really like this format, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that you can get updated whenever there are new videos. And I have some pretty exciting things in the works that I'm excited to get started on and to share with you guys. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started on this week's study of the book of Micah. So as you guys know, last week we finished up chapter two where it spent a lot of time talking about false prophets and all that fun stuff and all the negative things that were going to happen as a result of their sin. And then the chapter ended with verses 12 and 13 talking about the remnant of people who still love and serve God the way that he has asked us to. And then also talking about how the Lord is our shepherd and he will lead us through trials and he opens the gate and he goes before us throughout life. And so we're going to be looking at chapter three. We're specifically going to be looking at verses one through seven, which kind of is a weird spot to stop the, the break, but I will explain a little bit more about that later on. So we are going to just go ahead get right into it. So here we go. Leaders and prophets rebuked. So we're still kind of hanging out in that same vein that we've been in the last couple of weeks. So let's read the scripture and see what it says. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace just justice, you who hate good and love evil? who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin, and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, night will overcome you without visions and darkness, without divination. The sun will set for the prophets, and the day will go dark for them. 
The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. And that is where we're going to pause and stop. We're going to take a time out right there. All right. So with these verses, thinking about kind of the structure of government and we can, it's obviously it's different than different now here in America than it was in ancient Israel, but there are a few things that we can talk about and kind of apply to American system of government to ancient Israel. So we have three branches of government and this is, <laughs> this is so cool how the Lord works this out. Cause this is actually what I'm teaching my fifth grade students right now in social studies. There is the legislative, the judicial, and the executive branch. There are checks and balances to make sure that our government isn't absolutely corrupted. So the executive branch can't do something without the legislative branch approving it. And there's all of these things. If the legislative branch approves something and it's not cool, not cool, it's unconstitutional, then the judicial branch takes care of it and declares that law unconstitutional. And so there's all these checks and balances. So what happens though, when a government is corrupted through and through, and that's what Micah is talking about here and demonstrating here. The people were sinning, but the sins of the leaders were more concerning. Sin had overtaken the courts, palaces, and temples. So it's kind of reminiscent of the three branches of government, the courts, palaces, and the temples. Chapter 3, you know I love a good outline. Chapter 3 is usually typically divided into three different parts. We have verses 1 through 4, which is talking about courts and judges. 5 through 8 talks about prophets who speak well for those who pay them. And we saw a little bit of that in chapter 2 also. And then we have verses 9 through 12, which talks about politicians who gain support from others for money. And kind of the whole theme of chapter 3, which is a continuation of what we've been talking about this whole entire time, is that justice has departed from Judah. And Micah, as you've seen just from reading the scripture, Micah gets really specific in these verses. So, verse 1, he says, Then I said, Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. We see this in verse 1. And if we were covering it today, but we're not, we would see it again here in verse 9. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. So this is really important because um, it was common to use rulers or leaders as administrators of justice as well as political figures. And this is something that is set up historically in ancient Israel. So in Exodus 18, Moses was the one who appointed the leaders from various tribes, households, and families to be a system of courts for minor crimes. And it is highly, highly likely that that system was still in place in, in the same form here where you have um, leaders of houses, tribes, and families that were the political figures and the judges taking care of business as far as the minor crimes and all of that. Well, the problem here is that they are not embracing injustice. Those people, those leaders of Israel and the rulers of Israel, 
basically the political figures, leaders of families, tribes, and households. Should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil? What Micah is saying, well, actually, let's look at what Micah isn't saying. So what Micah isn't saying is in these verses, specifically 1 through 4, is not that the judges aren't fit to be judges. Like, that that's not the job that they're supposed to have, like, that they stole the job from somebody else. And they're, he's not saying that they neglect justice, that they just don't do their job and just get a kickback from being in a position of power. He says that they hate good and love evil. So the charge is even greater against the people by saying that they are they're basically perverting justice. They are oppressing the innocent and rewarding the guilty. So verses 2 through 3 get really specific. You who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, you who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. That's gross. And it's very vivid and very like, whoa, um, I can't think of the word right now, but if you were on the receiving end of that accusation, you would probably say, um, excuse me, what are you talking about? But Micah is saying these men are more like ravenous animals than those who are supposed to be ruling and leaning upon the Lord for wisdom and discernment and how to best lead, rule, and judge the community. They are feeding on those who they are supposed to defend and protect. And in chapter 2, what we talked about last week and the week before, that they were supposed they were being accused of taking people's possessions, their clothes, their homes, and he even talked about that in chapter 1. But Micah, in this chapter, verse th- chapter 3, even ups the ante and is, is saying, you're not just taking these people's possessions, you're attacking them yourselves and giving these very vivid descriptions. And then you have verse 4, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. This is just like in chapter 2, whenever they come to the day of reckoning and there's nobody there to speak for them and speak for their families. The Lord is not going to answer them. He's going to hide his face from them. In my view and in my mind, this is worst case scenario. That things have gone so wrong and putting myself in this context that I've gone so far astray that the Lord will not answer that he will hide his face from me because of the evil that I have done worst case scenario so we have a little bit of a warning of things that we need to avoid and we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes all right then he moves on from the leaders and the rulers of Israel. And as I showed you just a little bit ago in verse 9, he's going to come right back to them. But in verse 5, he starts on the prophets. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. So this goes right back to chapter 2. Let me 
grab my handy dandy Bible, where he says in verse 11, if a man should go about and utter wind and lie, saying, I will preach to you of wine, I'll preach to you of wine and strong drink. That would be the preacher for this people. So he's complaining. He he isn't saying, oh, these prophets, they just sit around, do nothing. They're not doing their job. They're just chilling. They won't do anything. He's not saying that. He's saying that they are speaking and they are preaching, but their words are wrong. They're proclaiming peace if they have something to eat and proclaiming prosperity. But the city is about to fall. All these prophets, remember, Micah was not working in isolation. You had um, Isaiah, who was his contemporary. You had Amos, who came just a little bit before him, who was saying almost the exact same thing. And in my one of my commentaries that I'm reading, the author compares the words of Micah to the words of Amos. So, so they're pretty much saying the exact same thing and making the same claims and same accusations. And Amos actually came before, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong, tell me in the comments. Um, Amos proclaimed about Israel and now Micah's talking to Judah and it's the same accusations that Amos brought to Israel. It's bringing to Judah. Micah's bringing to Judah. So they were saying peace when there was none and proclaiming prosperity whenever the city was about to fall. And so, um, the one of the commentaries that I have been reading, at this point, the author says, it is better to remain silent than to lead other, others astray in spiritual matters. And that reminded me of a verse in Matthew, if I can find it really quick, Matthew 18, 6. Um, I'm going to actually start at verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, verse 7, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. And this is, Jesus is talking about a child right there at that time. But also, Jesus is also talking about us as children of God, that whoever deceives, intentionally deceives his children, his people, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened to his neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. That's some pretty strong language from Jesus. And that's what's happening here in Micah, that the prophets are willfully deceiving the people. They're doing it on purpose. And so this accusation is so great because we're dealing with more than just temporal justice. In verses 1 through 4, we're, we're talking about justice and making the right decisions and being fair and impartial and all of those things and later on as we talk more about Micah and we get closer to Micah 6, 8, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, we'll, we'll be talking about different aspects of justice because it can be complicated to like dig through like what exactly is biblical justice whenever the world has kind of created a definition of justice that fluctuates so much 
and kind of defining, okay, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible teaches us about justice and how to be fair and just and righteous. And we'll, we're going to talk about all of those things. But we're not in these verses, verses 5 through 7, Micah isn't just talking about temporal, on earth, flesh and bone justice. In verses 5 through 7, Micah is making this huge accusation to the prophets that he's already talked about in chapter 2, but again, upping the ante, like in the previous verses, upping the ante because instead, the the prophets are dealing with matters of eternity in the hearts of men, willfully deceiving people, knowing what the eternal outcome is going to be. If these people are continue, continuing to be deceived and continuing to believe falsehoods, that's why this is such a big deal. And that's why these consequences are so great in verses 6 and 7. And that's why Jesus says what he says in Matthew 18, verses 6 and 7. So let's look at verses 6 and 7 of Micah chapter 3. Oh, that's cool. I just realized that. Matthew 18, 6 and 7, and Micah 3, 6 and 7. Anyway, therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness, without divination. The sun will set for the prophets, and the day will go dark for them. Their seers will be ashamed, and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. Again, worst case scenario. To not be able to hear from the Holy Spirit, to hear from the Lord, and not have an answer in an hour, your hour of need. So, the prophets were leading people astray for money. And it was so bad because they knew better. They knew the truth and preferred to speak lies and falsehoods. And in these verses, we see what will happen when judgment comes and they cry out to God. And you guys know I like to offer a big picture kind of response to whatever it is we're looking about, whatever verses we're looking at. And so whenever I read this and got to this point, I was like, so what? This happened years ago, hundreds of years ago. Why is this important for us today? And... I had a few thoughts that I jotted down that I would like to share with you right now. So, we all have things that we are responsible for. We might not be appointed a leader by Moses in Exodus 18, but we all have areas in our life that we have a responsibility. We have our family members. I'm a teacher, so I have my classroom and my students. We have people around us at work. Some of you might have a ministry that either you're in charge of or a part of or part of the leadership team. God has entrusted us all in some way to lead and to live our lives in such a way that points to Christ. That is a call for all of us. Matthew 28, talking about the Great Commission. That's not just to missionaries. It's not just to some Christians. That's to everyone who professes to know and follow Jesus. So then I have just a couple of questions for you to think about with all of that in mind, that we all are appointed leaders and rulers in some shape, form, or fashion, whether it's just sharing the gospel with our coworkers or whether we are actually in charge of a ministry or something like that. 
have we been corrupted by pursuing our own desires and our own agenda? Let me say that again, because that might be one you might want to like sit with for a for a while. Have we been corrupted by pursuing our own desires and our own agenda instead of truly seeking after the will of the God of not the God of God the Father in our lives? Okay, and are we living in such a way that we are showing others a false gospel? So are we trying to tickle the ears, so to speak? Um, are we avoiding in conversations, avoiding hard countercultural truths that people need to hear? Or are we being ruled by our own sin, our own pride, our own desires, just like I just mentioned? How are we supposed to live in this world and make Christ known? And whenever I was thinking about these things, it reminded me of a verse. And before I read it to you, I want us to take a quick look at verse 8 in Micah chapter 3. And I know I said we're not going to cover this. It's like a little tidbit. Thinking about how it is that we are supposed to live to make Christ known. Um, how we die to ourselves each and every day. How we live. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I just set them down right here. How we make sure we haven't been corrupted by pursuing our own desires and our own agenda instead of the will of God and how do we make sure we aren't showing a false gospel that we're actually showing people what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus. We have verse eight in this chapter, but as for me, I am filled with power with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression to Israel, his sin and as I was just meditating on that and just thinking about it and praying about it, a verse came to mind in the New Testament. Again, um, it's in Titus. And I'll just read a couple of these verses to you because we're going to dive in a little bit more of Titus next week. Um, Titus 1 verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That is Micah 8, 3, 8 right there. To declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. A lot of people say that Christians aren't supposed to call out other Christian sin. There's a biblical way to do that, but we are called to hold one another accountable in so many different ways. And then also Titus 2.1 says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And that lines up with Micah 3.8 again. Teach sound doctrine. Know sound doctrine. Don't be afraid to share the true gospel. To Don't be afraid to dive into those conversations. And if you don't have all the answers... Be willing to say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm going to have to get back to you. There is encouragement and there is strength for us as Christians. Because also keep in mind, verse 8 says, But as for me, I'm filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might. They did not necessarily, everybody didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in that day. We believe as Christians that the moment we are 
we surrender our lives to Christ, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I want us to really spend some time this week, within the next week or so, unpacking Micah 3 verse 8. But I just wanted to leave you with that, something to think about. Those questions about are we corrupted by our own desire and are pursuing our own agenda? And are we living in such a way that proclaims a false gospel and not the actual good news of Jesus Christ? So just some things to consider. And could Micah 3 verse 8 be said of us? Are we filled with power with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might? Now, I know those are hard things and not always the most fun, but I pray that you are encouraged and challenged. And I am looking forward to looking at Micah 3 verse 8 in some greater detail next time. See you guys then. Bye.